Welcome to From the VC's Bookshelf, a podcast from TBR, the College System of Tennessee, the state's largest higher education system. In this series, we examine how we might re-envision the work we do and how we work together as we move into a post-pandemic world. Please join our host, Dr. Heidi Lemming, Vice Chancellor for Student Success, as she leads a live discussion with industry experts and leaders throughout our system. All right. Well, welcome to our second podcast series from the Tennessee Board of Regents. This term, we're going to be focusing on themes from the book, Failing Forward in Student Affairs, Using Missteps to Guide Next Steps, edited by Lisa Endersby. The book is a compilation of personal stories from higher education practitioners, and all the stories have a common theme in that the authors open up about professional failures. The editor takes a twist, however. Uh, As Endersby states, the focus is on failure not as an action, but rather as an emotion, an identity, and a place where everyone seems to find themselves returning to over and over again. So in this podcast series, I'll be interviewing TBR faculty and administrators to add to the collection of stories found in the book. Interviewees will be asked to reflect on how missteps have defined themselves and became teachable moments. The book introduction states that the purpose of this podcast series um, is, is aligned with the purpose of the book. It's to have failure step out of the shadows and for our stories to be completely in the spotlight, to celebrate effort over perfection, and that we model a depth of courage. So success is personal and so is failure, and therefore there are no rewards for learning more or more quickly after each mistake. It is simply with the purpose in mind of learning from our missteps. So today I'm excited to be at Chattanooga State uh, interviewing Dr. Karen Eastman. Uh, Dr. Eastman is serving as the Interim Dean of Math and Sciences here at Chattanooga. And in 2020, at 2002, while Dr. Eastman was uh, was a practicing chiropractor, she began her journey in higher education as an adjunct faculty member teaching anatomy and physiology. In 2004, Dr. Eastman became a full-time faculty member, working her way to a fully promoted and tenured professor in the life sciences department. She has subsequently taken on more leadership roles over the past 19 years. She has served um, is she serving as lead t- teacher of AMP, uh, department head of life sciences, TBR faculty subcouncil representative, faculty senate president, and again, interim dean of math and sciences. Karen also has served on the board for a nonprofit organization, Momentum, uh, volunteers with Hope for One and Flourish Foster Closets, the Trace Diaz Community and Christway Community Church. She and her husband, Chris, have been married for 10 years and are foster parents to five, a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. So today, um, thank you, Karen, for being here, first of all. Of course. Appreciate you sharing your personal story. Um, you know, as we dive in, I, I just want to give an opportunity, though, for our listeners um, to learn a little bit more about you. Um, one of the biggest themes from the book is this idea of transparency. So Again, want to thank you for agreeing to be transparent in this conversation that we're about ready to have. Um, second, I feel like a major piece of telling a story about a personal failure is 
understanding the background of the person sharing the story. So if you wouldn't mind, just take a couple minutes to describe yourself to our listeners, you know, um, maybe things that we don't necessarily find on a resume. Mm -hmm. Um, Describe type of a person that you are to us. Sure. I actually love this question. I don't think we ask it enough of people of who we are. And and here's why. So I'm a woman of faith. I'm a Christ follower. And in that, there are so many things of knowing like who I am and what I am in that. And it speaks to, to me, it speaks to an eternal life. So I think about the things of I am forgiven and complete and holy and a child of God and um, just more and more of those things to me that's like that's who I am as a person and it's really interesting because you say these are things that we don't find on a resume um, or that we you know typically find our identity in maybe relationships for example Mm -hmm. so oftentimes you know, when folks ask, you know, who are you? And we'll use a job title and, you know, we'll say, well, I'm an interim dean or um, I'm a wife or I'm a mom. And we kind of put those things out there. But it, to me, it just kind of describes who we are based on our circumstances and our current relationships. And those can all literally just be temporary titles based on relationships that could be temporary, positions that could be temporary. So I think when you ask someone like, who are you, if they have that sense of self, of knowing, um, for me, like through an eternal life, is someone that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that then, in turn, the fruits of the Spirit is what I demonstrate where I feel like I'm just complete and whole and filled with, love and joy and peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, like all of those things that, um, to me, that's who I am, like deep to my core. Yeah. And I bet as we get into our conversation today, that's going to come out like in how you responded to a misstep, hopefully, right? I think so. I think there's a lot of parallels. It's really interesting. Good. So take a minute before we maybe share some specific examples of missteps in your life. Um, take a minute and, and tell me how you define the term failure. Like yeah. what do you – how does that change maybe even over time? Yeah, over time I think it has um, – I've really spent a lot of time since um, learning the title of the book and the topic of the podcast. I've spent a lot of time thinking about failure and what that definition of that is and – um, it's interesting because I guess when I would first think of failure, I would hear, you know, like someone failed third grade. Well, it didn't mean that that was the end of their educational journey. It means they're going to repeat that grade over again. Or if you heard of someone, you know, then we hear failing test. Well, they're still going to continue on in the class. And so, you know, over time, I feel like failure oftentimes would be attached to like a person or their identity, but it's really just kind of a detour in progress is what I look at it now. It's not um, an end result of something. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be more beyond that. So my definition of failure is, has changed over time. Um, 
because it's just, to me, it's more like it's going to happen. It's a natural step in the process of progression. And it's not just like an end or a terminal word or a terminal um, position or place to be. Yeah. It's to figure out, okay, now what? Yeah, because, I mean, the book makes a point. It's more of an emotion in some respects because you could feel personally like you have failed, but other people might not view yes, it that way, right? That's exactly. And that's exactly where that leads right into exactly what I was thinking about. Failure is, um, you know, it depends on from what lens. Um, some people may say, oh, you failed at that, but I don't know that I did. And, you know, I don't put that negative connotation on that. It's just I'm going to figure out a different way to do it. Mm -hmm. And we set really high bars for ourselves sometimes yes. too, right? Yeah. And put pressure on ourselves. That's right. To achieve something that it's just not the right time. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's get to it. I mean, it happens to everyone. We might accidentally reply all on an email and say something we shouldn't or we slip and share information that shouldn't be shared. Uh, make a facial expression that reveals a little too much. Um, those are easy foibles um, that we can apologize for and move on. But as you reflect back over your life and career, um, what can you think of that was maybe a more consequential mistake? You know, something that the authors call that changed you forever, mm -hmm. um, that you'd feel comfortable sharing with our listeners and ultimately what you learned from that, how you bounced back. Yeah, so... It was, it's interesting because when I think about, you know, failures that changed your life forever, I would think, you know, I just hadn't failed at that much. Like, mm. I just haven't had a lot of failures. And so as I'm thinking about what are my failures and I guess through my lens because of the way I see a failure, what, uh, what I think other people would see as a failure, I see as, well, that just didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try something different. Mm -hmm. And once I put those two together, where if in reflecting like, you know, through the book about failing forward or what failures have you had in life? To me, the reason I my first thoughts were I just haven't failed in that much is because I feel like a failure is like after you quit or it's over or it's done or there's nothing beyond that. But when I recognize that my definition of failure is more about, well, let me try something else or that didn't work this time. Mm -hmm. Then I can see those two things um, more clearly as like to me what the question is, is asking. Um, so for an example, if, you know, someone was going for a new position or interviewing and they did not get that position, there's a piece of that failure that you could put it on as a negative connotation in your self-talk about, oh, you're not enough of this or you're too much of that and you failed in that instance. Or you can look at it of, um, oh, I wasn't successful in getting that position. And personally, what I have done is gone to those in the search committee and say, what can I do better? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I recognize that I did not get selected for this position this time. What do you recommend? And I've gotten some great feedback um, that has allowed me to go on and do more to improve my resume, improve interviewing skills, um, to continue to climb and to continue to work for it. So I don't see that as a failure. 
And as I think more even like uh, personal kind of situations, oftentimes you'll hear the word like a failed marriage. Well, I've had one of those too. But then I think, okay, so yes, there was, an, there was a terminal piece of that in a failed marriage. But what it did is it helped me reevaluate moving forward. What could, have I, what could I have done differently? What do I need to change? What do I need to look for? How can I um, prevent this from happening a second time? Mm-hmm. So even when we use some of those terms of failing, like failing a grade, failing a test, fail, failed marriage, any of those things that we go through, um, I just look at them more as a chance of, again, well, that didn't work. And maybe it's very simplistic, Um, I'm a first generation college student. Um, I was raised in such a way that was like, um, anything I did beyond high school, my family just thought was the most amazing thing ever, regardless of what it was. And my mom was always very much about, look, do your best. And if that's not what they want, you can feel confident in yourself that you did your best and that's all you could do. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother, who I think, probably made it through fifth grade, maybe third grade. She's just country. We're just country folk. And she would always say, well, it'll either work out or it won't. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how we were raised about like, you know, if it doesn't work out, figure out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. Do your best. And um, so again, I feel like it's pretty simplistic as opposed to coming in with some big philosophy about, you know, what failure is and overcoming that. And I just think you just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Well, there's connections to your faith clearly in that clearly. approach as well, right? It is. And it's also very interesting to me to think like, even when we use the term failure, as I was describing earlier, if your identity is in those things that are temporary, those could change over time, obviously. And the same thing is true for failure. So if you identify with something as being a failure and you put that on yourself and you start to identify as a failure rather than an action that failed, I think that we can really take ourselves down this road of I'm not good enough, you know, that negative self-talk or, um, again, I'm too much of this, I'm not enough of that, um, and put it on us personally to carry that emotion and make failure such a negative thing. But then when you look at it from a perspective of I'm going to learn from this and do better – um, and put, I mean, I say put a positive spin on it, but just get a different, just view it from a different lens. Like in the big picture, what does this mean? It's just going to make you better as long as you don't stop. Mm-hmm. I just have an interesting reflection as I'm listening to you talk. So you're a dean over a, a division that's about sciences. Yes. And a lot of times it's about testing things out and then, nope, that didn't work. Yep. Trying to figure out the next thing, right? That's it's kind right. of similar in the approach, right? It is similar. And it's really, it, it is. It's one of those things like, all right, let's let's formulate a hypothesis mm-hmm. and then let's try this. And then it's part of that, nope, that didn't work. And so maybe it's where that mentality comes in about, um, right, how can we do something differently? How can we make this work? So we got to think from a different angle mm-hmm. or a different way. So yeah, there's a little bit of like scientific theory in there. Yeah, because I mean, as scientists, you don't think of it as a failure either necessarily, no. right? Mm-hmm. You're that's just right. trying to find the Testing right the thing. hypothesis, that's right. Yeah, uh-huh. so that's mm-hmm. an interesting connection. And it also gets me thinking, so I mean, 
Uh, you've, you've, even though you might have had setbacks or didn't achieve a certain position, I mean, you've been at Chattanooga State for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've still moved into a lot of different roles and, and learning uh, and having different experiences. I mean, that clearly didn't stop you if there was something, right? right. Like mm-hmm. you said, you kind of learned kind of how to adapt. Sure. So talk with me a little bit about like how then does that translate maybe into how you work with students too? Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, our listener base could be not only professionals, but could be students, could be th- maybe an adult thinking about coming back to college and they're really afraid about, I don't want to fail at this or it's scary to try something new. So here you are, you're working in this environment, you've mm-hmm. had this life experience. How do you translate that in the kind of conversations you might have with students or adults? Yeah, well, that's my favorite part is yeah. talking with students is to be able to share with them that um, if they see their faculty member or if they see me or they see, you know, um, other students that are a little further along in their education as being successful, um, when they see those folks to know none of us just went through with no detours. None of us were just like, oh, success, 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 success. The reason we are successful and in the place that we're in now is because we didn't quit. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So even when fail- students um, fail a test, I just encourage them. I'm like, okay, so you failed this one test. Um, what you need to know is what are you going to do differently so that you don't fail the next one? Right. And get them to be really honest. And I'll ask them, I'm like, just be honest with me. So this probably goes back to my mom saying, like, did you do the best you could do? And typically they'll admit like, well, I didn't spend as much time or I didn't do the test review or something like that. And then I just simply encourage them and say, "Okay, so change that and just tweak a little something and try it next time. Mm -hmm. Um, Our adult students are the ones that come in that amaze me because I know they're going to come in feeling uncomfortable. Um, They're returning back to school after maybe being in a career. And most of the time they mention like, you know, sitting in class and they feel like they're going to be in there with 18-year-old students that just came out of high school. And it's just not the case at the community college. There's so much diversity. And they get in there and then realize they bring so much more to the table because they have life experiences that it actually propels them into success actually much quicker and faster than the younger students that are coming in right out of high school. Um, And I just encourage them, like, just try it and see. And, you know, the same thing. You may hit a detour here and there, but you figure it out. You've got a lot of life experiences to draw from, you know. Yeah. I hope that there are listeners that hear that and get encouraged about giving it a shot, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that there are, I mean, you're a perfect example of a faculty member. You get it. Mm-hmm. You understand that. So, I mean, you're not going to be on a campus where there aren't people that understand those struggles and those self-doubts and that they're there to help you. That's right. right? Yeah. They know that. And it's it's more evident to me over the past 19 to 20 years that I've been in higher education that we as faculty and staff recognize that those holistic needs for the students as opposed to just academia, academia. And so, you know, it just gives us more as faculty the opportunity to build relationships with students and get to know them and be understanding with them and the freedom of being transparent and real and saying, look, I didn't get this on my first time either. Mm -hmm. You know, I really struggled with this. I'm honest with that uh, for them in anatomy and physiology. We do um, a little bit of biochemistry in that. And chemistry was 
so hard for me. I struggled so hard in chemistry. And I think sometimes when they hear that and recognize the additional work I had to do, go to tutors, go to my instructor, spend more time on it until I finally got it. The point is I didn't give up Mm -hmm. and just kept trying. Right. Perseverance. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some also failing forward might be an act of serendipity too, right? So Mm -hmm. you have this plan in mind thinking like this is the way I want to go and it just doesn't work out, but maybe something else um, opens up that you didn't even think about and it's a better fit. Have you, so, I mean, did you you envision that you would be doing faculty work when you originally set out? Like, how does that look like? Have you had a moment of serendipity, I guess, is what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, over and over again. And, of course, with faith, always know, like, the Lord has good plans for me. And so, you know, there's always the thing about I have plans and he laughs, ha-ha, you know, that kind of (laughs) thing. But I always think about, um, yeah, I never... You know, one of those things about what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. I never thought that I would be um, a college professor, much less a department head or dean. That was just never on my radar. Um, But what I did love is teaching. I always loved teaching. And even as a chiropractor, um, you know, as a physician, the the job of the physician is to teach their patients. And I just enjoyed so much the aspect of being in practice and explaining to people what was going on with the nervous system or biomechanically or with their muscles or bones and and try to make it so simplistic um, that they could understand what I was saying without, you know, using a lot of just the medical terminology. And it was always that love for teaching that when I learned about teaching in a community college as an adjunct faculty member, it just, it was so natural. And I just enjoyed it so much. And then seeing... um, students um, learning from, you know, going through both AMP1 and AMP2. And most of our students will are going into the nursing and allied health programs and knowing that that's like the foundation of their career. It's just powerful. Um, and I would love watching them, you know, to learn that. So, yeah, in being as a chiropractor and now in higher education, it was actually um, – a um, medical procedure. I had to have a total hip replacement, which moved me from one profession to the other. Mm. But that was ne- that wasn't a, a failure Mm-mm. by any means. That was just like kind of the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's it's com- I completely see clearly the pa- the plan through that and the timing and how it all worked out. Yeah, right. We just don't know that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to plug along. Um, I would like to, I mean, it doesn't sound like you've ever had an issue of pushing yourself further um, in how you've described kind of the path. But I Mm -hmm. guess I'm just kind of curious if you have felt like there was a time where you maybe didn't push yourself enough to take a risk, uh, maybe for fear of failing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if Mm -hmm. that prevented you, or maybe you didn't speak up about something for fear that you'd say the wrong thing any time that you've had that. No, not really. I've just never had... That sense of like being fear, having a fear of failure. And I guess it's just because I never really attached that personal, emotional, um, um, negative, you know, words to failing. I just Mm -hmm. thought you just try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then, you know, as far as like not speaking up, the best person I can be is me. I can't be anybody else. And, um, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of times where I'm nervous, where if I'm in a room of, you know, folks that 
either are my supervisors or my supervisor's super. Yes, my heart is pounding. Sometimes my voice is shaky, Mm -hmm. but I want to be able to speak my voice. And even, you know, in the organization of like shared governance, we get that opportunity and we need to speak our voice um, because it's all about making things better for um, the institution and for students and student success. Um, But I haven't had, I don't know, it's just one of those things. I think it's just the way I was raised, again, probably simply and optimistic and do your best and if it doesn't work out, it didn't work out. You just try something else. Yeah, well, that's probably served you very well when you think about representing the faculty voice in, like, faculty senate and some of the things that you've had uh, on your resume. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. Because, I mean, then I can imagine as a faculty member thinking, well, I know she's going to represent me just authentically, and you're just – you are who you are. You're not trying to play any games or anything with that. So that's probably served you well. Thank you. I think it has, yeah. And I, I have been in positions where I thought, oh, I need to – speak more professionally and, you know, use bigger words. And I've tried to do that and it just does not work out for me. So (laughs) I just continue to be me and just Mm -hmm. appreciate the opportunity of, of being authentic and being myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're getting close to the end of our interview today. Um, But a final question, I I just always like to give an opportunity space for final words of wisdom that you might Mm -hmm. have as, as, you know, I gave you some prompts to think about and the themes from the book, obviously, but just what would you impart to listeners um, as we wrap up our conversation today? Yeah. Uh, so words of wisdom. Um, I think my words of wisdom are going to be more about reflecting on what does it really mean to fail something um, or to you know, if something you're labeling it as a failure, like, why are you doing that? And to think through and reflect, like, is it really a failure or is it just a detour? Or is it really just an opportunity, um, you know, to try or do something differently? Um, my words of wisdom would be, don't don't put that negative connotation on yourself or that self-talk or put it on you that you become the identity of what failed. But rather, you know, pick yourself up. I mean, you're your own best cheerleader and be more positive about the opportunity that you had and recognize, all right, how am I going to make this work next time? Yeah. Be a scientist. Yeah. Well, Karen, thank you again for sitting down and talking with me. I will tell our listeners, I I reached out to Karen uh, as I was thinking about possible folks to interview because I have seen um, your not only passion for students and passion for teaching through some of the different groups that you've been involved in and I've interacted with you um, at the system level with that, but also, again, just hearing how you are very authentic. I want people who will sit and be their true selves in the interview, and I've always gotten that sense from you. And so I just appreciate just having this candid conversation with you today. It's um, It met my expectations coming in that I knew you would be authentic with that and hopefully others our listeners um, get a sense of like yeah these are real people that we have working at our schools and and they care yeah that's the greatest compliment and honor to me so I appreciate it yeah so thank you again for your time Mm -hmm. thank you for listening to this edition of from the VC's bookshelf brought to you by TBR the college system of Tennessee powering the state's economy and changing the lives of thousands of graduates starting successful careers each year. To learn more about upcoming book selections, 
or to register to attend discussions live, visit tbr.edu bookshelf.